0: Hello and welcome to the Six Pixels Under podcast. This is episode 62. Sorry, I have really shitty lighting today. It actually looks like I tried to do noir le- lighting today on purpose. I didn't. I didn't try and do noir lighting. I didn't actually try and make myself the only colored thing in the shot. That was not intentional. It's just those two lights back there don't work. One of them was already broken, and the other one mysteriously broke today. So <laughs> we're doing it live, and I wasn't going to not. Uh, to the podcast anyway just because my lights didn't work so i've ordered new lights so you guys will have to wait on that to see better lighting for my face but for right now you'll just have to deal with me looking like um an extra in uh, sin city hey what's up every hole a call <laughs> yes it's a new place card uh hey card yeah so this week's podcast there's honestly a lot to get to um, there's been a couple of big announcements for one. Uh, there's been some re-surfacing you know surfacing of maybe an old title that we thought was dead in New World. We've also seen um, the shutdown of a couple of titles. For example, Astella, uh just recently launched in the West and was shut down in Korea. And then also Planetside Arena was just shut down by Daybreak. So the, those are a couple of shutdowns we'll get to. And then also uh, Mortal Online released a little teaser trailer which didn't really give us much to look at but it they gave us some nice looking screenshots so I guess uh we can talk a little bit about that later as well there was the announcement for Magic Legends which is supposed to be a MMO ARPG of sorts and then on top of that um what else am I missing for the week uh anything else that jumped out to me that I wanted to get to oh yeah I got a mysterious uh, email from a source that, it's basically a fake name, so it doesn't matter if I tell you who who the name of the source is, but a guy who used to work on uh, SWOTOR contacted me, and he actually wanted to uh, let me know some interesting things concerning the development of SWOTOR and specifically uh, launch, so I wanted to talk about that. (laughs) <laughs> two rants. What's up, Ashley Riot? You're predicting two rants today. <laughs> uh what's going on, Lumpas? Yeah, sorry, I know I I look like I just murdered somebody and like I'm hiding out. Uh that's what sorry that's what the lighting looks like to me. <clears throat> okay. So I found the uh email. Alright, so I'm just gonna tell you guys what the guy said. So he contacted me. This is regarding Swotor. He said, um, I wanted to add something to the points that you mentioned in your video. A little bit of a background on myself. I used to work at Origin Systems on Ultima X, and when EA shut us down, I went to work at Destination Games on Tabula Rasa. And after that, I went to work at uh, BioWare Austin on SWTOR. Back then, uh, it seems like my mic keeps clipping, so sorry if it's like pretty bad. I'm gonna turn it down. Okay, back then I was primarily a level designer, but over the course of my career, I transitioned to being a technical artist. All the material prior to the Revan expansion was intended to be included at launch. Hut cartel assets and codes, Starfighter assets and codes, as well as Strongholds assets and codes, in my estimation, better than 90% feature complete when EA forced us to ship. Essentially, they wanted us to recoup the money they spent on Bioware Pandemic ASAP. They didn't care what it meant to the long-term viability of the project. Uh, Obviously, a uh, a little bit of this is his opinion being sprinkled in there. I can tell you after the game launched, our subscriber numbers were solid for the first three months. We maintained our initial subscriber numbers. Then we ran out of content. I could be mistaken, but honestly, I really felt if EA had let us release when we initially planned, our subscriber numbers would not have dropped. After the initial excitement of players had died down, our interstitial content releases would have been enough to sustain us until the actual intended release of Revan, which was one year after launch. That was the plan all along. Annual expansion pack releases, and we had the sufficient staff to hit those targets. But as soon as we started losing subscribers, EA forced us to cut staff. And that began the downward spiral to where the title is now. It all just rolls back to publishers putting short-term profits over the quality of the product. They don't just realize that you actually have success in the industry is by creating superior games, not by milking and giving a consumer for every last time, or milking a given consumer for every last time. Yeah, so I I thought that that was pretty interesting. Um, if obviously is something that i hadn't been told before but it makes a lot of sense when you think about it like i think that um i i won't say as far as hud cartel but i could definitely say that the Revan expansion still seems like it's within the same vein of launch like they did the content around the same time because you can kind of tell a lot of similarities between it um but yeah, I don't know if all the way to strongholds cuz man that's surprising if all the way to strongholds that just kind of tells you the starfighter part uh starfighter part I already kind of expected that. I mean, we knew that they had the starfighter in the game but they just didn't have it good enough to launch with. And so that's not really surprising, but it it makes you realize um and I've seen this happen before with another title where they're so focused on getting it out fast that they kind of forget that by circumventing like the process of QA and also the process of knowing how to properly space your content out on a roadmap, especially when you're building an MMO that has like constant, consistent updates, um you, you you focus so much on getting the part out of the way instead of trying to do it right. And I feel like when you when you're just focused on just trying to get it out there and you'll kind of, you know, pick up the pieces where you have to pick them up. I think is a mentality that a lot of MMO developers and publishers did for a while just because it's such a complex industry but at the same time they were kind of like well no MMO launch is perfect right uh you know rest in peace but Brad McQuaid used to say that all the time he would always say that every MMO launch is uh, unfinished and to some extent he's kind of right right uh it's kind of hard to debate that but at the same time um in regards to Swotor it clearly it hurt the game in the sense that they not only had to rush it out but uh, at the same time when you look at the kind of content that the game requires in order to be successful they put themselves in a bind where if it's not successful like uh, population wise because they need the numbers remember because they weren't initially free to play they were subscription based then it puts like a uh, a lot of burden on them to do really really well and not just really well for one or two or three months kind of like what he was saying but well, for the whole entirety of that year, so it's just there's so many interesting things that explain what went wrong with Swotor, but it was good to get another um perspective from the inside to tell us something that you know I can't confirm one hundred percent if it's true, but I can tell you that you know he did know some stuff that people who weren't at least somewhat involved wouldn't know, and I can at least say that like he was a good source so he could just be completely guessing, but, I mean, he knew some other things, too, so it's it's kind of like I didn't just take his word for it, you know? Um, I highly doubt it will be limited to just two rants. We didn't have a podcast last week. I mean, yeah. Uh, to be honest, though, I got a lot of my energy out last week. I did, like, five uh, sessions. I just had to get that. Kind of energy out of me and not to mention I was writing Artifact. I just finished writing Artifact and doing the voiceover. I don't know when that one's going to come out because I told uh, Tom to switch gears towards working on the WoW review which I still need to finish writing. Um, But the Artifact video is done he just won't have time to finish it right now so I'd rather just focus on getting the WoW review video out this month instead. But we have that to look forward to. And the Artifact one was honestly by the by the time I was done with it, I was definitely done with it. Like I was not interested in going through it anymore because it's kind of um, I don't want to spoil the story, obviously, um, but it's just it's one of those stories where you're just really like ah. so, so many like points where it's just like arrogance kind of got you to this position. And it's also just one of those stories where it's frankly hard not to be a bit biased after you kind of get you know the whole um context of the story even because sometimes like when you're missing context it's easy to be biased right because you don't know the other side but if anything learning more about artifact and how it came to be (laughs) made me kind of be like oh it's it's worse than i thought uh honestly but um yeah you guys have that to look forward to soon and then i'm really trying to focus on doing this wow review but i still have anixia and um molten core to do (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not gonna be happy unless I do those two can I tip the fedora for the ladies please yeah no problem dude do I, I have an editor yes I have an editor um in fact uh we're probably going to be having another editor soon enough too but I need to uh get the details figured out um because uh we're bringing on another content creator and Trying to iron out when exactly that's going to get done. Speaking of which, let me email that right now before I forget. <laughs> you know, it's it's me when we do it live on air. All right, cool. So I remembered because I have a horrible memory, and sometimes I just forget. All right. Uh, wow. So. When I go from no white background to a white background, it completely changes my lighting. That's how poor my lighting is here. I look like a ghoul. How are you able to afford editors? Uh, Well, for starters, my editor, um, for example, is probably, I would say at this point, more like a partner than an editor um, because he's done a lot of work for me. And... uh, He's a big reason why my series is what it is. Uh, death of a game. So Tom is less like an editor, more like a, um, a partner. It's just that he, uh, doesn't do this full time. So he does other jobs full time. And, uh, it's one of those things where it's just trying to work, have another job basically that you're trying to transition to when it can pay you enough. And then also having to deal with holidays. It's like, yeah. Um, So, are we going to watch the uh, cinematic trailer from Magic Legends? Uh, we're not really going to learn anything from watching it, but we can watch it nonetheless. A couple of people have mentioned that they're worried that there's these really super stylized, like, teaser trailers and no gameplay yet, because they're thinking maybe they're going to go for the Neverwinter Nights approach, like, that that game they have, which is super kind of instanced, barely qualifies, if qualifies, as an MMO. But it's, like, super stylized, has, like, pretty nice graphics, cool cutscenes. Yeah, this, this doesn't even tell you if you play as a planeswalker. Are you playing cards? Like, what are you doing exactly? What, does it say anything down here? This has become immersed in the acclaimed fictional magic multiverse as a powerful spell-wielding planeswalker. Okay, so you're playing a planeswalker. It says, um, <clears throat> will be revealed in January 2020 if you're interested in being the very first to experience this epic MMO action RPG. Uh, So I guess we'll find out soon enough. I've contacted them. Um, I don't know if they'll get back to me, but I've contacted them. So he is basically in the editor friend zone. The editor friend zone. More more like um, whenever uh, Tom is able to replace his income with the income that I pay him for the work he does with me then we'll be able to just focus on the channel and that's just a process i say it all the time i sound like a broken record but it's true just a process that happens over time i wonder if it'll be related to the 5e stuff they put out for the magic universe huh you know that's a there's a good question uh um because it it probably will be related to that in some way i'm just really surprised that i don't see more information from this like they had this big announcement to basically announce an announcement. And I don't know. I just have always found those announcements to be kind of weird because it's just like a teaser trailer. And at that point, the cool thing I'll say is that whenever I'm looking at MMORPG's subreddit, um, yes, they can be overly negative sometimes, but it's been funny to at least see people asking the question of, how is this game massive? I'm seeing that on a lot of these new trailers and when people are advertising their new game the first thing I'm seeing people ask now is, how is this game massive? And that's like, hey, it could just be a couple of people, but it makes me happy to see that, right? <laughs> it looks like shite from what we can learn from it. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to learn from it. And speaking of which, um, I got contacted for something that I know people have been asking me for or asking me about Uh I guess I'll turn off my ad block, Mr. U.S. Gamer. So Amazon's New World finds firmer footing with a new look and more guidance. All right. So we had wondered for a while where New World had gone. Um, Of course, people had been asking me because I went down to Amazon's studio in Irvine and I got to talk about the game and give my advice about the game from a design perspective perspective. And so people thought I was going to save the game, basically. Uh, obviously, it doesn't really work like that, right? Um, I had my things to say about the game, but considering I'm under an NDA, I can't really say exactly what went down there or what has been going down behind closed uh, doors. All I can say is, is that I was contacted and they say that they're going to be having um, some beta testing next year and they're looking at a launch next year. So we'll see uh, what they have in store there. I am going to get access to the alpha again. I can't talk about it nor make videos for it because it's uh, obviously under NDA. Um, but there's been some big new revelations concerning the game and its future. Um, for example, now there's, they're adding more single player content as well as a way to toggle uh, to do PvE only. So you don't have to do the PvE or sorry, you don't have to do the PvP content. They're making the sieges themselves, the 50 versus 50 sieges, I believe, um, they're making those instants as well. So it's not going to be a big giant zerg. Um, what else did they have here? Oh, it says crafting has been completely overhauled. Um, by the way, I am oh, I can only say what, what's publicly said. So that's why I'm looking to see what they're saying. Crafting has been completely overhauled. Yeah, so the crafting system was centered around points as you gained or you gained as you leveled up, which could be spent on new recipes and specializations. Um, now you perform a certain gathering, crafting, your task, and you get better at it. You become faster at gathering. Okay, so just like a, a skill system, basically, they change to a skill system. Man, sometimes whenever writers write stuff like this, you can just tell like they've never played these games. Like, I'm sorry, but like reading through this paragraph, I was like so confused, <laughs> and I was like, oh wait, you mean it just has the skill system now, like? player skill system because it's existed for like a long ass time in fact it's one of the older systems if anything i'm not going to get tilted over writing today it's just like if we're going to talk about mmos like can we at least get a get a writer who can talk about mmos there's they're out there all right so the final lesson that the team has learned is involving new world's difficulty Vefeli acknowledges that the original version of the game was probably a little too punishing. This is the case with many survival games or sandbox MMOs. Having a lot of freedom means also having greater potential dangers. Mm, I don't know about the extra commentary there. One thing I want to highlight, and honestly, New World is a good example for me to highlight here, is that It's something that has been said in a couple of uh, exchanges where people will mention that, oh, survival games, like, there's not a lot to do. And the truth of the matter is there technically is a lot to do, but there's not a whole lot of reasons to do all of it, if that makes sense. So it's like when you're arguing that you can't do a lot of things in survival games, you're rarely saying it's possible. You're more saying, like, how probable is it? Like, are you actually going to do anything other than just raid, for example, like in Rust or an arc is someone going to do anything besides offline raid you maybe unless you're playing a server that doesn't have offline rating but one of the points that i wanted to make is i saw it mentioned a couple of times from amazon's uh, perspective the amazon game studio uh development team mentioned that there was a lot of there's a lot of things to do in new world but players weren't having the best idea of kind of what to do and I understand what they're trying to say, but I think you have to be careful as a developer to kind of blame that on your players because ultimately, if you don't make those things important enough in your world, then people are going to ignore them because they just don't care. They're only going to focus on the things that seem like they're the biggest focus of the game. And uh, combat is a big part of that, right? So people are naturally going to gravitate towards just killing. And, And unless you can build a game that has... Play styles that are, aren't just, you know, killing. And that's actually something that's been talked about in this new press release. They mentioned that now it should be a lot more possible to be a crafter and not be forced to do combat. So, I mean, that's good to hear. That's a, certainly a good change to hear. The idea of having toggleable PvP, though, has always been a bit weird to me because it's just one of those things where essentially it kind of gets rid of the idea of territory control and it makes it more like territory defense you know because like someone can lay claim on your territory and then you defend it but like if someone just goes through your territory they can't really attack you because you can just say oh nope um there's no pvp on my territory i i don't typically like systems like that because for me they're just like these halfway systems where the game's trying to like satisfy two different crowds and in my opinion you got to choose one or the other But just because you choose one or the other doesn't mean that you can't also add other features in your game. Like, that's one thing I didn't like about the crowd that supports Rust is they'll argue that, oh, you know, so there's this other content in the game, but nobody really does it. Everyone just raids and does this. And it's like, that's true. But in order to fix that problem, you have to add other things in the game to actually do, right? Like, there has to be something to do besides just raiding. And if there's a short time to get your um weapons wiped, your blueprints wiped and then you just go back to raiding and attacking another group. I mean, what is the reason to not just do that over and over again, right? So a- Amazon's New World, we'll see how they solve that problem. But I do think it's a little bit interesting that they talk about um the game being a little bit too punishing when I mean, I didn't think it was terribly punishing before. There wasn't even full loot, so I guess uh, we just have a difference of opinion when it comes to risk versus reward, maybe. Okay, so it talks about uh, 50 person companies for more permanent connections within the larger player base. Right now, we're at over a thousand people per server. Huh. Okay so that a thousand people per server would qualify for an mmo wouldn't you guys agree so i think new world has now satisfied that mmo uh vibe if it's able to push over a thousand players then it talks about the siege battles we have these 50 versus 50 wars where players fight for territory going into one of these experiences and seeing the siege around you i think it's something that people will enjoy For people who aren't as PvP-oriented, we also have invasions. Corrupted forces take the fight to the player. That's a super fun PvE experience, trying to defend against hundreds of AI breaching your walls. Hmm. Yeah, so when they said we will definitely be adding new content, new weapons, new enemies, new features, and new landmasses over time. The specifics of how we're doing that, we're not really diving into yet. Then it it claims right here that uh, they're preparing to head to close beta in April 2020 and then launch on May 2020. So, I mean, that's not far at all. I don't know guys I I have to say I'm a little bit worried by the timeline just because like if they're gonna have a couple of us playing alpha and giving our feedback like, what if we don't have enough time you know (laughs) I don't know I'm sort of thinking that they're prepared to take a bit of a blow at launch, but that they're confident that they can um, make up that difference later on. At this point, I think it's it's sort of starting to look like that. I don't think um, Big Amazon is giving little Amazon Game Studios that much more time to develop this game. So I think, given that, the choices that they made to make the game less of a big PvP sandbox are probably better because then they don't have to worry about solving those problems as much. And also, they can start to focus on content that's a little bit more monetizable. Perhaps. Um, But... We'll see. Like, I, I have a policy right now where it's like, Pretty much any major MMO launch I'm going to be playing at launch, if just to test it, even if I only play for a day, for a week, however long I end up feeling like playing the game, I'm going to play the game that amount of time. Um, I'm not going to feel like I'm forced to play longer or anything unless I'm actually going to do a review on the game. Hey, I sound tired? Uh, yeah, honestly, I am tired. I woke up at, like, 6 a.m. today. It's, like, five hours ago. Then I went back to sleep because I wasn't really trying to wake up. So... Oh, by the way, did someone ask me if I have bi-curious thoughts? That was an interesting question. Uh, There's a difference between punishing and tedious. I find most survival games tedious. Yeah, I find them tedious simply because, ultimately, why are you even doing it in the first place? That's, for me, the biggest thing that I don't like in sandbox games... It, or sorry and um survival games is just why like why am i doing any of it like what is the point like whenever i used to play DayZ, I used to be like oh this game's so fun this game's so fun and then after a while i was just like dude what am i even doing here like i can't even build a town in this game meanwhile dudes are playing minecraft building whole entire like cities and i'm over here like hiding my shit inside of a tent I don't know after a while when i, I just got super turned off after daisy i think with a lot of survival games i was just like what am i doing here man?" like i even went and played rust for hundreds of hours and just like after a while after you've gone through the loop a couple of times for me it's just like what else is there there's no long-term progression there's no there's no permanence and those are the things that i value the most in mmos and so it's just like I like ways that you can affect the game. So a a survival game seems like a great option for something like that, right? Um, It's just that most of them aren't built for long-term progression. And I think it's because those games are just built primarily for just being like kill boxes unless you like to build. (laughs) Um, And that's why Minecraft attracts such a massive audience is like you don't just have to be into the combat, right? Like I would say very few people play Minecraft just for the combat, Um, but people are playing Rust just for the combat, right? I'm excited for the Colonial America theme as a historian, but I can't really tell what they're aiming the game at. So I, I we, I mean, frankly speaking, I can say that like ever, all of us who went to Amazon uh, Game Studios, we liked that the theme was unique. I can say that much because we talked about that, you know, on off record. Like we thought that the theme that they've chosen is certainly a unique theme. Um, but that's all I'll say about that. Sorry, guys. I, I wish I could say more, but. It goes into things that I've said to them, and um, all of that was under NDA, so I want to wait until that's released, and then I'll tell you guys personally what I said, and if I thought they listened, or whatever I can, you know. Seems like they are pushing the game out, and are moving into the Lord of the Rings MMO, ship it and dip <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on the Game Awards? I just tuned in. Um, I'm not going to be the snarkathon if that's what you guys are thinking. Um, I'm really at the moment just interested in like good ideas, and I'm interested in like pushing uh, the genre forward, either multiplayer online RPGs or massive multiplayer online RPGs, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. So like anything else other than that teaser trailers whatever it's just they're not cutting it from me right now man like you gotta show me some gameplay and speaking of gameplay we have some gameplay um there's a newly launched newly hyped game titled core punk which is calling itself uh feels part cyberpunk part diablo part ultima Ultima online i figured i'd show this off because it looked like almost like a moba arpg Maybe some idea of uh, what Miles League of Legends could do, perhaps? To Lazy play played a browser MMO made by one person. Use looks great. To reach no, it's a slow game. It looks pretty slow, Kalantas, if, if that's what it you're referring, referring to. Monsters to earn gold. Shred them with your best move. Uh, be careful the combat looks pretty sluggish. I'll say fighting as a unit. Grow crops, chop wood, mine ore, trade goods for missing resources. To craft the weapon you deserve. I mean, I can imagine that this um, review style works for some people, but I don't know if it works for like the target audience, per se. Like, I don't know if the MMORPG audience is hearing this and this is resonating with them. Seems like it's more of a trailer for people who maybe don't know what they like or what they want, per se. loot and find reckless companions to take on a challenge that no one else has the guts for it looks a lot better than most of the other games i've seen that's for sure it also it seems like it at least has room to grow as well like maybe it's too slow but that's probably something they could fix seemingly at least <laughs> They've got boss fights and shit. The thing is, is, um, can somebody tell me why do they have to call this an MMORPG? You guys knew I was going to ask that, right? Everyone knew I was going to ask that, right? Like, why, why do we have to call it an MMO, though? Why not just call it a I don't know, a multiplayer online ARPG or just a multiplayer online RPG. Like what about the trailer was massive at all? Like, like even just a single example was it whenever that other five person group jumped that other five person group, is that massive? Is that what the bar is these days, man? looks nice but less of an mmo more like a dungeon crawler yeah and i think i think that there's a lot of positive in that you know and i have been saying it for a while but i've wondered why multiplayer online ARPGs aren't done more often i've even mentioned that myself and i've mentioned the mmo variant but i'm a little bit on my own on that because not everybody played dark eden growing up but I I like both. I like the ARPG as an MMO, and I like it as just a standard multiplayer online game. I just don't know why they always have to call them interchangeably the same thing, because they're not. Imagine having three friends. That's massive. It <laughs> feels more massive when you walk so slowly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the combat didn't look bad, though. Like, to to get back to, you know, talking about the combat here. Like, I like how there's guns. That reminds me of Dark Eden, speaking of which. You can see, like, little reticules. So you can kind of, like, potentially dodge people's abilities, right? So this is the most massive part of the game I've seen. How many people we have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Or no. The blue. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So eight people in this shot. Like, that's impressive. That's really cool. But is it massive? I don't know, man. It seems like what stands as massive is getting shorter and shorter by, like, the the year. It's like massive is shrinking down. Like, soon in the future, massive will just be, like, one other player. Like the game will be co-op, but they'll call it a co-op, cooperative, massive multiplayer. That's going to be the future. New World looks great to be massive, but maybe they can work. Tech changes all the time. So I can tell you that they initially weren't having it as a massive game, meaning that it didn't fit the, the standards of a massive multiplayer online game. But they always had that in mind from the beginning. They told us that, uh, the development team. And then they also have recently stated that they've gotten it over a thousand players. So if that's true, and that means concurrently, um, that's pretty impressive regardless, right? Because it's a game where you don't have a tab target. So you have to aim somewhat, right? Dying Light is a cooperative massive multiplayer. (laughs) combat seems like albion yeah and that's what's got me worried at colantis is the combat in games like that if you don't have friendly fire there's always going to be a problem of skill cap right how do you differentiate yourself unless you're just the, the most powerful player in the game well skill is the main way right skill is the main way that you can differentiate yourself when you're not maybe the best gear in the game right but if gear is the main way to differentiate yourself and while being, I don't know, skilled at the game isn't really a thing, right? Maybe there isn't much of a skill ceiling or even a floor then you're just going to get shit on by people who have better gear (laughs) and and there's plenty of games that are like that where you can play your best but if you just lack the gear, you're just simply going to get beat up um what what else did we uh see that i wanted to talk about we've talked a lot about new world and i'm gonna wait to talk more about it because uh well simply put i want to wait for them to release more and then i also am going to have the chance to play the game with the new round of updates so i get to see for myself what it's about because i still think that there's a lot of really cool ideas that we can play around with with new world And I'll tell you that um, a couple of us, uh, the content creators who were there at the offices, we actually told them, I think, some pretty cool advice, like some pretty cool ideas. So, um, yeah. Full gambling and Eve for a minor rant. Yeah. um, I don't even know where, where to go with that. I forgot I should post this stream. I should advertise myself. Okay, I did that. Would or should a game with friendly fire allow for AoE heals to apply to the enemy team? Um, that's an interesting idea. Um, I never want to say you can't do something until I've seen it like tested for myself. I personally don't know of AoE heals healing your teammates in any other games. Um, besides Dark Falls, the only example I can think of where you could heal the enemy on accident. Um, and things like uh There, I believe, was one AoE heal in the game. And it's called Witch's Brew. And I don't believe... Or no, sorry, I do believe it actually helped your opponent as well. So if I remember correctly, and, you know, it's been a minute, but I believe there was a couple AoE heals in that game that could heal the enemy team as well. But since most AoE heals, or sorry, heals in general, were castable uh, point and clicks or um, rays, as they call them, which are just instant pixel, you know, boom, fires the spell. Um, it, it still was always about aiming properly. That was the biggest shock to me. I was a 1,000% ready for a new world to be Middle-Earth. <laughs> um, you know, um, someone in chat kind of said something that I think I feel and think as well. Um, and it's that at this point doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them to abandon what work they've done because they have done some good work. There's some good salvageable work there and so instead of like having that as a base and then slowly building on it, it looks like they are going to have to make a kind of, you know a faster expedited decision regarding how they're going to handle development but at the same time, that could be a good thing for uh, the Lord of the Rings MMO, you know it, it might be New World is going to have to take a little bit of a hit. So Lord of the Rings uh, as an MMO does better. But hey, we're just we're just talking a little bit of conspiracy stuff here. It's dark as hell in this room. So the lighting makes it it makes sense, right? The lighting makes sense. And Dota, you can heal your opponent by accident. Mm, that's pretty cool. I love mechanics like that. Personally, I don't think healing Um, or really damage in general, unless it's a very particular kind of damage, should ever just be as easy as just firing it and it lands. And I know like, you guys are like, but tab target games. The thing about tab target games, and it's something that drives me crazy, um, and you guys know I rant about it all the time, is that just because a game is tab target doesn't mean it's less skill. And I've seen this even said by journalists. I've seen this said in reviews. They'll say like, oh, New World is more action-oriented because it, uh, or sorry, New World, because it's more action-oriented, has a higher skill cap than, say, for example, a tab-target game. And I'm like, but that's not really true. And I think I kind of would know, because I play the game a lot. You can't just say that, oh, because this one has an action system, it's just harder to play than tab-target games. Like, there's some tab-target games that are hard to play. I feel like people need to give tab-target games respect, man. Because if they were so easy to dominate in, then how come not everybody is dominating in them? How come in Warhammer Online, a game that came out in like oh nine o eight in two thousand nineteen people still suck on the private server If tab target games were so easy, I feel like more people would have been good at them, but they're not. It's just that like your brain is trained to think anytime something is not a tab target game, it automatically has like more skill oriented in it, right because the the combat's harder to control. But it's not necessarily the case. And, and that's the thing that I even mentioned with games like Black Desert Online is like, yeah, it has a pseudo-action combat system, but my argument is that if it just went straight action, I think it could have actually had better results. Or if it just embraced the fact that it's a tab-target game, in some ways, like Blade & Soul did, it could also have benefits of that. So it's like you don't get the benefits of both when you hybrid, you only get some of the benefits of both. But if you just choose one lane and you stick to it, um, then yeah, you're maybe not going to get the benefit of the other side. Like, for example, if you build a tab target game that doesn't really have any type of aiming in it, then you might not have as much skill ceiling in your game. But maybe you can make that up because you have a lot of options, right? There's a lot of diversity. Same could be said if you make a game that's like Quake the MMO, like Darkfall, right? Like, I love using that as an example, The problem with that is that only a couple of people can play Quake, let alone play Quake the MMO. So it's like you have to always find the balance between making a game complex from a knowledge perspective right, with making you uh, choose the right options versus a, a, a mechanical perspective. I was reading an emo. <laughs> Interrupting myself. No worry, every year Ice Frog looks at Dota, and then says, What if it wasn't Dota? <laughs> I think Crystal Maiden had heals. It's been ages since I played, so I've forgotten the abilities. Dota's updates are what makes it interesting after all those years, but I don't want to flood in this chat with. Yeah, no, it seemed like you guys are talking about Dota people love dota so what can you do um we can talk briefly about Estelia shutting down its servers in korea and that's never a good sign for a korean mmo this is one that's recently come to the west uh the western market it was being pushed by nexon and um, some content creators did some videos on it uh some maybe did some sponsor videos on it all i know is is that i could smell a dud from a mile away and i kept telling you guys what unique does the game have to offer Um, and I never really got a full answer on that I'm glad I didn't make the purchase because you can almost guarantee that if a Korean game is not doing well in Korea and it's published by Nexon or NCSoft there's not much of a future left for this game (laughs) so there you go rip Estelia, uh, which might not get a death of a game just because i don't think it's that interesting what i do think is interesting is a good old-fashioned uh nordic company coming back star vault that is and doing another mortal game this time mortal online 2. unfortunately another teaser trailer situation so we don't really have much gameplay to look at but I was fortunate enough to um, alpha test Mortal Online and was a forum dweller for a number of years. Uh, I didn't play the game much after it actually launched because it was just so far off from when I played it initially. And it was just... They always had problems with their netcode. And that was always a big reason I didn't really want to play the game. I've heard it best described. If Darkfall was Morrowind, uh, Mortal Online was... was. Um, two worlds <laughs> it's a good way to describe it so mortal online was similar to dark in ways but it was like two worlds right it was kind of like bootleg version in some ways that being said it did a lot of really cool and unique things like it had full nudity for example which is unique to me um, it had uh, uh, better higher end uh, resource systems where whenever you farm a certain resource it's not just like X resource, um, Y resource, Z resource. There was like rarities of different resources. So there's actually like economic and territory control was actually meaningful in the game, right? Because resources had a rarity to them. Other things that Mortal Online had that were really cool, of course, were full loot. Um, One of the things I love the most in a PvP game. And it also had the Unreal Engine. So it was more of a fast-paced, in-your-face, you know, parry, block dodge kind of combat system. The problem with the net code, of course, is it kills a lot of that enjoyment of the combat system when you're not really hitting your target when you think you should be hitting your target. So that being said, I don't have much to report about mortal online 2. Maybe I'll get more information soon enough. Um, I will say that I'm eager to see if they could fix their problem with that net code and the performance of their game, because if they could, I mean, you have a game that could quietly become quite the nice niche Uh, pvp success i think it's one that i'm very interested in trying out if once again they can fix that problem that i mentioned let's watch their little teaser trailer which is basically just flexing off the unreal engine right it's just showing off how good the game looks (laughs) <laughs> I noticed that two cart. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so it's, for those who couldn't watch it, it's just spinning around an orc. Let's let's look at the screenshots. I mean, obviously they're very good looking. The game looks, you know, the engine I'll say looks very good looking but for me all of this is just it doesn't matter if the game doesn't actually function properly you know what i mean because like who cares if the game looks amazing if it doesn't really function properly let's let's watch some mortal online gameplay you guys can see maybe why i wasn't uh, the biggest fan of it It even looks like two worlds. That's the funny thing. Like, look at, look at, like, the, the desync, like the, mind you guys, this game is old as shit, so I'm not trying to say, oh, because this game looks like shit, their second game is going to look like shit. They've clearly gotten, like, an engine that's, at this point, probably, like, nearly a decade uh, newer, (laughs) like, because I think before they were using Unreal 3. Which, as you guys know, Unreal 3 has had a number of problems trying to go massive. So now that they're potentially using the newer Unreal Engine, they might not have these problems nearly as much. His name's Zero Life. Yeah, this, uh, this is bringing back memories back to when I tested the game. Mind you, this guy clearly has it on like low graphics. Shit that happens in Mortal Online. <laughs> I think they're healing each other when he does that, by the way. Yeah, but that's the case for pretty much every engine. Pretty much every engine needs it uh, an engine to be modded to go massive. What? Am I even watching? I love the atmosphere of the game though. I'll have to say that's one thing these uh full loot games do a really good job of. I don't even know what he's doing. I think he's trying to heal a guy for some reason. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, as you can see the combat is uh <laughs> yeah. had some interesting problems. Um So why are, why does he have a 20-minute video here? Because I'm pretty sure there's no gameplay in this entire thing. Yeah, there isn't. Interesting. So he's showing, like, the videos from the previous game. I always wonder when people make early videos like that. Is it really like, I don't know. Does it really help when you do a video that early? I feel like there's like so little information that you're just basically guessing at that point, right? More minutes, more ads. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what they do with Mortal Online too, obviously. (laughs) Um, me, me showing you guys what I showed you probably didn't get any of you excited. You're probably like, what? But, uh, let's talk about something else then. Yeah, lots of guessing. Cause I mean, all we're getting is just a bunch of teaser trailers and teaser this and teaser that. And at this point, I'm kind of realizing the MMO genre quite possibly has to be one of the more difficult to make trailers for because it's hard to actually convey what you're trying to convey in the context of a massive multiplayer online game, right? Like, how do you convey like community and exploration and these other things? These are harder things to convey, I feel like, than just saying you have a bunch of options and da da da. And I think that's a big reason why um, MMO marketing has died down a lot is because it got really poor. People started phoning it in. And they weren't getting any successes from it. And then, of course, Swotor showed up and started dropping like mills on trailers. And people were like, yikes, we're going to have to compete with that. And so then you see Elder Scrolls doing the same thing and Final Fantasy 14 doing the same thing. And so I think that also was another part of it is trailers became a lot more about looks than maybe about actually showing off the game. And so now we're in this weird state now where it's like. You don't really see a lot of good MMO trailers. You just don't. A lot of them are just teasers. And so I wonder at this point, is it because they don't know what MMO fans want to see in a trailer? Or is it just because like that that works still? You know what I'm saying? Like, does that old style of teaser thing still really work? Because I don't, I don't think it does. But I'm also in a bit of a bubble here because I talk and think about video games and MMOs all the time, so... I think they should just show massive battles. If it doesn't lag, that's the best advertisement. But that's the funny thing is is they don't want to because then it makes the game look bad most of the time. <laughs> I would say besides the original stories, the Blur trailers were the best thing to come from SWOTOR. They were freaking amazing. They were. I mean, like, they're just... Not just amazing, incredible. I mean, have we ever seen trailers that great before? Like, just from the full perspective of, like, the way they're produced, the way they come across, like the pacing of it, like all that stuff is great, but it doesn't really do a good job of actually explaining what the game's about. And I feel like um, Blur, if you will, and SwoTor, kind of, you know, in a weird way screwed up the market with those damn good trailers because then it just became like, let's just do kick-ass trailers. And it's not really about like the Wildstar approach, which had both. Wildstar had the big... You know, hyped trailer, but they also had the gameplay trailer. And I thought that that's like a cool middle ground. So you can have that big trailer to, you know, attract the casual fans. Um, but then you also have that trailer that says, this isn't World of Warcraft. And remember, it was like, um, uh, oh, we are on a dangerous world. And like, I think there's room to advertise to both of those audiences. But it's almost becoming like now, maybe because us MMO fans are like, either so jaded or so desperate at the same time, which I know is a bit strange, but hear me out, that they kind of know we're going to hate their trailers anyway, so they just make them for the other audience, basically. They're like, well, we can't even, like, satisfy the actual fans of the genre. So, like, we're just going to make it for other people. <laughs> I don't know. That's my, that's my conspiracy joke. I miss in-game MMO trailers because they were so jank. They were, but I least I, I, like... Do I need to show the Galaxy's trailers again, man? Those are so cool because they were actual scenes from the game. So it wasn't just like you're getting like this super stylized view of it. You actually got some truth to it. And that made it fun to me. Yeah, it was a little bit janky. Yeah, you could see the lag sometimes. But, I mean, come on. Global Agenda did the same thing, remember, Limpos? Global Agenda had gameplay trailers. And sometimes they were a little jank. But I also thought, personally speaking... That made Global Agenda so cool to me is that they were willing to show off their gameplay because their gameplay was kick-ass. It's because their gameplay is bad. I mean, guys, did you ever see the Vanguard Saga of Heroes? Uh, rest in peace, uh, Brad McQuaid. But did you ever see their trailer back in the day? There was barely any combat in it. And I used to always joke it was because the combat sucked. You know? And it did, man. All right. It's a cool ass game, but the combat was not great. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to go watch that Vanguard trailer because it's a kick ass trailer. But there's like barely any combat in it, and you'll notice it when you when you watch it. (laughs) Shh. yeah it's some growing pains moving into the new place i'm not burning my ass off and i'm not sweating which is awesome but obviously my lights broke when i was moving and then my dog she's still like paranoid about every little sound she hears she's like what's going on here uh all right uh what else do i have to get to today i'm not going to hold you guys too long because uh i need to get to writing some wow myself uh some wow review, I should say. I did want to ask you guys a broad question, maybe something that I think we can do as a bit of a roundtable. But I'll save that for a little bit later. Um, Actually, I'll just open up the floor right now to questions. If you guys have any questions, go ahead and ask me them now. Let me uh, change this. Yeah, so if you guys have any questions, go ahead and ask me some questions now. And then um, I wanted to get some of your input as a community about some criteria for judging uh, an MMO, because I don't want to have to do ratings, but ratings are a big part about doing reviews. And at this point, I think out of five probably is the best, because I think out of 10, there's just so much wasted numbers. And so... Just for clarity's sake, I think it's easier to do out of five. And the idea I had was doing a objective criteria of sorts first. And that would be what we would talk about um, voting on. Gameplay, I had graphics and art. Sound and music. Is it massive question? And then the final one was just community. And uh, I chose five on purpose, you'll see for uh, in a second. Then there's the judging criteria for WoW specifically, which we would average these two together, basically. And for that, I had leveling experience, roleplay, group dungeon and raid content, PvP, and then another community. And so these numbers, you would average them together. And the idea was that because there's some sort of an objective criteria that you could apply to every single game, you can get some sort of number from that. But at the same time, I don't like just using some like objective measure because it's not fair to certain games because certain games focus on other things. Right. So if you just judge them with the same brute tools, then you're not really going to get the same kind of um, you're not going to get the same kind of details, I guess. Have I been playing BGs? Not a whole lot. Uh, they've, They've been kind of clown fiesta so far. And I've heard a lot of negative things about them largely. So, um, I was one of those people who weren't excited about BGs being introduced into the game. Um, still am not excited. And then, of course, after all of this negative hoopla, even less excited about it. Um, frankly speaking, the honor system being added so late for me just left a pretty bad taste in my mouth with regards to the honor, or sorry, with regards to the PvP in the game. I just thought it was handled kind of poorly, to be honest. The freaking dwarves are invading. I just came on 10 minutes ago, but did you talk about Planetside Arena shutting down? We talked about it briefly. I didn't talk about it a whole lot because, frankly speaking, at this point, is anybody really surprised they took a game that was known for being massive and then made it an arena? And then thought it was going to like stand up to the other arena games. Like, are you kidding me? Those arena games were designed for small amounts of players. It's just. eh, It's one of those things where it just hurts your brain even trying to like think why, you know. (laughs) Uh, Which new or upcoming MMO do you think has a chance to break into the big four? If you're talking about the big four as in, like, what are the most popular games right now, um, I would just have to pick one that's, like, economically the most feasible then. So I would probably say... hmm, I'd pick something, like, if they can get their shit together in terms of, like, animations, like, something like Crowfall, because it applies to a big, broad audience... Um, maybe I'd say something like Hightail, because Hightail also, you know, applies to such a big, broad audience, and it's also supposedly, you know, Minecraft 2.0. So if they can get the modding to work in Hightail, they could turn that basically into an MMO. And um, I think those two things have pretty good chances of unseating whatever's currently in the top. But honestly speaking. I'm not really interested in what's going to eclipse those just because um, right now I think trying to eclipse those right away is not really realistic unless you have some big existing fan base or an IP that has a good amount of like notoriety behind it. I think the best way to beat those games is just slow and steady and it's not going to be a a race. It's going to be more like a marathon. You can beat them with your superior ideas and long-term thinking because um, frankly speaking, between Guild Wars 2, Final Fantasy XIV, and um, uh, Elder Scrolls Online, all three of them are going to have issues with content. They always will. It's just the design of those games. They're designed that way. So it's like it's not my opinion to say that they'll have problems. It's, they designed the games that, that way. So I think those games will always be swinging up and down, depending on how well their, ne- their next expansion does. And uh, when one of them has a fall... I think it's going to be a pretty big fall, and that'll probably be the time that we see one of these other newly launched games maybe take, take the reins or take the spot. Has there been any news on Hytale? Um, no, I mean, besides just like monthly updates and that sort of stuff. PvP is the best for longevity, though. It is the best for longevity. That's, that's sort of why I'm saying like the top three games right now are all going to have problems with longevity because they're going to have to keep outdoing themselves with each subsequent expansion. And hey, Final Fantasy just did Shadowbringers. They did a great job with that expansion, but they're going to have to do a great job with the next one too, right? And that's the same thing with Elder Scrolls. Is When you make your content based around iterative um, theme park PvE experiences, dungeons, instances, raids, that sort of stuff, new zones, um, you put a lot of strain on your developers to constantly have to put that amount of labor in to keep up with the amount of content that you need to create. And that's why it's so important to have a good PvP system in your game because it can allow for content to kind of, the pace to slow down a little bit. It gives you more tools in your game that give players the ability to create content are more tools that give you, the developer, more time, right, to work on content. I think the problem is, and you saw this in New World and games like that, is sometimes developers will take the opposite approach. Hey, we gave you the tools, so just figure it out on your own, right? And that's not really a good solution either, because you need to have some level of middle ground. Like, Even in a game like Rust, I still think you need things like a quest system, right? Like, You can still do things where you can help new players get into the game without having to just drop them off in the middle of nowhere and be like, all right, figure it out. Like, I think that you can have a game that's built to be a sandbox also have quests in it, just like you can have a game that's built to be a theme park that also has maybe some more open-ended content uh, type systems. It's just more difficult, obviously, because when you build a sandbox game, it makes more sense to create more tools for players to use themselves versus in a theme park game. But if you're in a theme park game and you're running into problems of running out of content, maybe you need more ways of opening up your content to your player base so they can kind of, you know make their own content out of it a good example of that would be like more difficulties for raids and dungeons um more ways to run raids and dungeons um difficulty leveling modes right like i've talked about it in swotor a big problem i have in the game is that it's too easy to level in even though i very much like the leveling experience and i like the story experience in the class stories it's just so easy it takes away from a lot of the enjoyment for me For me, the most important part of an MMO is the feel of the world. The art, music, quests, difficulty all contribute to creating a world. Will you rate this? Yeah. So we're we'll ha- we're gonna have to talk about that a bit. It's it's so hard to make an objective list of like what you consider to be something you judge an MMO about. But I'm certainly going to say gameplay, the graphics, uh, you know, something along the I might, instead of saying sound, I might say world and atmosphere instead because those are like a little bit easier to um, hone in on. Sound and music is so specific. It's kind of a bit of a a placeholder uh, definition or a placeholder review. Because it's like some MMOs don't really have big focuses on their soundtrack. And so what am I just going to have like a low score on one of them, you know what I mean? Versus like I could do world and atmosphere and combine them uh and judge those with things like music and sound and um uh the way it looks potentially i still need time to figure out more of an objective criteria for judging an mmo rpg but i know that the one for wow is pretty easy because i'm just picking basically all of its strengths uh that's how you do it essentially it's like i have a uh, my nose is just so damn itchy sorry um you'll have two different categories. One is like the objective measure, which is trying to come up with things that apply to as many MMOs as possible. That way you can have some level of semblance to compare them to. And then you have the more specific criteria for WoW, in this, in this case, for example, which would be uh, the leveling experience, role play, group dungeon, and raid content, PvP, and then finally the community aspect. And uh, I don't know. I feel good about the criteria that I have for WoW, but my quote-unquote objective criteria is going to need some work. The Rust new player experience died of players over and over again until one player hesitates and turns you into their gathering monkey. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Uh... Does anybody have any thoughts about other objective criteria you'd like to judge an MMO on? We can talk about that uh, with our roundtable today. I am so hungry today. probably because I woke up really early, so it like messed up my schedule, my eating schedule. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say myself that I think that um judging an MMO based off of gameplay is always going to be uh, an important part, of course. So that's going to be in there. And when I say gameplay, I'm talking combat, but I'm also even just talking about second to second running around gameplay. It's just the gameplay broadly. Um I don't think I need to nail down combat per se um as its own because it's so specific and frankly speaking i would think largely it's kind of shit in most mmos to be honest combat isn't that great but if we look at gameplay in totality i think it helps it out a little bit what do you think about the progression as a criteria i feel like one of the most appealing aspects of mmorpg for me is the character yeah so progression is going to be under role play uh, good, good mention, uh, Scion Corp. But yeah, I think um, role play for me is kind of the same thing. Like, I'm I'm combining role play with your ability to basically choose your class and build your character. So I mean role play in like the actual context, not just like when you pretend to be someone, another character. Like when you're like, "Hello, I'm an orc." Not just that kind of role play, but like role play as in like you pick your character, you build them this way, you you know, and and stuff like that. And I think that. That is an aspect that, uh wow, uh, frankly speaking, to spoil a little bit, does a pretty good job of, comparatively at least. For me, it's interaction. If I do something, do I have an effect on the world? So much of an MMO can't be rated until after launch and seeing what the population does. Like, I think an MMO that is all PvP is a failure for me, so is one that is all PvE. But keeping the right balance of the world PvPers and ganking to PvEers so neither side gets bored or infuriated is impossible. That's why I don't think there should ever be a desire to keep the balance between the two. Like, you shouldn't be trying to balance a game for two polar opposite crowds. Like, all it comes down to is basically making a stand. Who is your audience? And that's what, really, publishers at the end of the day are afraid of. They're afraid of just putting their flag in the, in the dirt, in the sand, and just saying, this is our audience. We're sticking to this. They want their developers to appeal to, you know, cast a broader net. I feel like MMOs just have the same criteria as any other game, story and gameplay. I feel like if you're going to judge them off of base criteria of other games... You know they're they're not that great man. <laughs> they're They're just not. <laughs> that's why I'm like I'm trying to like be as favorable to MMO genres as possible or to the MMO genre as possible. I find choice important. I dislike when everyone can do everything, can be everything without cost and investment. Yeah, that's definitely a big part. you want one that's all pvp yeah i think a good amount of people are okay with that as well i think it's just um when you're trying so hard to appeal to two different audiences it just seems like it's just like why are you even trying to do that in the first place because if you're trying to appeal to two broad audiences to broadly different audiences i would argue just try and mimic real world and what i mean by that is create a virtual world that has rules in it that penalize um say for example murderers uh, say for example people who steal things um whatever it is you have to govern or create a government create a, a world that governs itself essentially if you're going to have a game that can appeal to the hardcore raider and the hardcore pvp but considering most people aren't willing to do that don't try and appeal to both just do what other games do and just say okay our game is a pve game but we have like arenas in it i think that that's perfectly fine as an option even as a pvp fan i don't think they should somehow create a virtual world just so i can play pvp in their game you know what i mean like i don't think elder scrolls should like open up all the zones to pvp just because i want it because the game isn't really designed for that you know what i mean mind you if they had a server option for that that'd be kick ass or maybe even a private server Um, that could do something like that. That'd be really cool because that's how I think the game personally should be played, but it's not made for me then, right? What are my thoughts on Flame Lash? Hmm, you'll have to update me on what Flame Lash is. For me, an MMORPG is mostly about community. One of the reasons that WoW is failing at the moment is because the need of a community is gone. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people, including me, already kind of have been talking about that, that once people realize they're going to get breadcrumbed, they're going to start quitting. And I said that. And that's what people have been doing because what else do you do? You just keep playing the same content? You just make another character? Not everybody's going to do that. Eventually, you run out of content. And then what? And that's why I just think it was a big miss by Blizzard to not really announce what the future is. I think that they're going to start to feel it And they're going to wish that they had at least said something about it. I think my point there is that both sides need each other in my view, even if they dislike each other. I like the sweet spot of MMOs where everyone was forced together. It isn't about appealing to both or trying to manipulate the population as much as it's I don't see both in a game I lose interest. I like the intersection of those audiences and I think it's impossible to get that now. I don't think it's impossible to get that at all. I mean, I think that there's plenty of games that get that. Survival games still get that, largely. I just think that when it comes down to it, um, whenever you play games like that, most of the time, there isn't enough reason to deter people from just killing everyone they see. And that's just... It always comes down to, like... And I see these arguments repeated all the time on slash game subreddit, slash MMORPG subreddit, and it's something to the effect of this. It's... Oh, but full you know pvp focused games don't work cuz everyone is just assholes it's like well if that's the case how does the world work because couldn't we have just done the same thing just killed everyone or like, or or no or did we figure out ways to govern ourselves or did we figure out laws and ways to i don't know deter people from wanting to commit crimes it's like we've figured this out already why are we why why are people acting like we couldn't figure it out like am i going to sit here and say that we've Stopped murder from ever happening. It's like, well, you can't. The point is, is that we sure as hell can do a lot better of a job than we've done already in full loot uh, PvP MMO, uh, MMOs, which is kind of nothing. I mean, <laughs> in some of these games, you basically just let people just get like piledrived into the earth and then just quit. And it's because you don't offer enough incentive to help those people, um, and it's a it's a big problem, and I've talked about it a lot. you guys always hear me say the three letters and these are like the magical letters that you want to hear somebody talk about when they talk about a pvp focused game and that's new player experience like a sandbox game needs a good new player experience it's not an excuse to just say oh it's a sandbox you can do everything it's like no you still need a good experience for a new player they still need to have an idea of what they're doing they still need to know why they're doing what they're doing right you can't just drop them off in the middle of nowhere and just give them nothing. They think about something like ESO, the second part of the criminal system where players could take bounties from other players that commit a crime in front of an NPC, but they back out. <laughs> Am I going to play Hordes.io? Uh I watched a video on it. I don't know if I'll play it, though. looks interesting. And you guys know I love shouting out people who are working on, like, Really simple, but fun to play uh, MMO projects. Flamelash is an EU WoW server that is one-sided infection faction in balance. It's a one-person MMO? Damn, that's impressive. Hordes, uh, the Horde lives in Ironforge. <laughs> what? <laughs> Blizz was giving free transfers for Alliance players to leave. It's quite interesting. Um, all of those guys are problems of design. Like those are the most obvious problems that have shown themselves with regards to Classic WoW has been what? The problem of design. It's showing us again. It was beautiful that it happened. Like I'm so glad that WoW Classic happened because I've had so much fun from it. But I've also learned so much from it. And I got to see first off how people's expectations meet reality. I got to see what they did right back then, what they did wrong even. And I also got to see it kind of more in the totality of like today, like 2019, see like how a game from 04 matches up. And surprisingly in a lot of ways it does, right? But then maybe in some more obvious and glaring ways, in ways we kind of identified back then, but they just, they weren't enough of a problem back then because the market kind of was slow to move. But now that people are aware of, you know what's considered flavor of the month and they're maybe a little bit more uh, interested in power gaming and watching videos because they've heard so much about how the game's difficult so we've created this weird like self-fulfilling prophecy where everybody told everybody how difficult classic wow is and because of that people looked up how to play the game and the game was easier because of that like th- there's just so many uh interesting like Anthropological aspects Of a classic WoW But also just like As an MMO in general Like As you guys can probably tell Already with me I find a lot of the uh, um, Patterns within people Interesting as well And the studies of people To be interesting as well It's why I think MMOs Are just so interesting Because It's basically like a simulation Right? Where you could Potentially Figure things out Or learn about things That you wouldn't otherwise Be able to learn about Because maybe in an actual real environment it would take too much time or maybe you couldn't legally do whatever you were trying to do but you can do it in a video game right (laughs) um there's a lot of interesting simulation aspects that i think um haven't been nearly as explored but uh it's happening i mean second life has existed for a long time now Fairly sure it's a bit on people's own shoulders. From what I've seen on Asmongold's chat and the other community looks quite toxic. I mean, you guys are talking about the community who played on these stream servers. I honestly could not care less about like these stream servers or the streamers. Like I kind of have been PC about it so far because I haven't been talking about it. But if you guys want my honest opinion, I could not care any less about any of this the drama with the streamers. And on the like. That shit has existed for decades. Like. Even back then people were getting. uh Zerg down because they were popular on a server. Even back then. Uh, two server games were having. Faction imbalance issues. Like none of this shit's new. It's just the same shit circulated again. It's just now you've got somebody. With 40,000 people watching him concurrently. But I mean. For me it just seems like it's like the same old shit man yeah I mean Limposs at the same time it's like if you want to go to Asmongold because you see him as like the typical perspective that you're going to get from a from a classic WoW you you might be right if you're talking about playing on Asmongold's server right but what about Grobulus or other servers like my server I I didn't have any big problems of Asmongold like situations. I mean I had some egotistical people, some people who um didn't know how to like say what they want or like be honest with themselves, like but that's just in life. Like you experience that with people all the time, so I don't think any of that has been unique to WoW classic so far. Now if you could stop caring about Reddit and YouTube comments. Um the difference between that is that that's an that's a base that I'm trying to educate. I don't, I won't claim that you'll ever understand that, Limposs, but when I'm trying to do better for the industry, it seems stupid to get caught in the weeds, but sometimes I do have to focus on educating just that one guy, you know? Like, sometimes I am thinking, how could I teach somebody something, even if I think that their perspective is so stupid, right? Like, I I don't want to have this mentality where I'm like, everybody's wrong and I'm right, like... Even if I think somebody's wrong, I'm still willing to have a conversation with them, you know? Just to be like, how are you coming to that conclusion, you know? Do you know something I don't know? Because maybe they do. Maybe they know something I don't know. Maybe like this guy who contacted me in uh, on Gmail. Maybe they have an inside source. Maybe they heard something or they noticed something that I didn't notice. And so... um I will argue that a lot of the time, being willing to do that, being willing to go outside of your own echo chamber and like face people who just straight up either hate you, dislike you, or don't agree with you, it can be tiring, and I think it can be exhausting. But at the same time, the joke that I always make is like, I do jujitsu and I do martial arts for a living, dude. Like It's what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. Like I love martial arts. Getting choked and thrown and... My arm torqued on and my knee and, you know, my heel hooked and things. That's scary to me. Like, tussling with some, like, random nerd on the internet who is accusing me of being wrong but not telling me why I'm wrong. I mean, that's just easy, right? Like, I've just gotten better at knowing when it's worth it to argue with someone and when it's not worth it. Like, for example, whenever I'm on, like, Twitch... Or uh, Twitter. Or Reddit. You're typically catching like a very specific version of me. Which is like a version who's more about trying to um, shoot the shit with you. So like if you come at me with something stupid. I'm going to shit on it. But it's not because I'm a mean person. It's just because it's just kind of how I am. right? <laughs> like, you just shoot the shit with your friends. Someone comes to you and tells you that the, the sky is green. You're going to laugh and make fun of them. Not because you're a mean person. Just because it's funny. Um, but... Where my mentality becomes, I think, more serious-minded is when I'm doing like a video, right? I'm doing a production. I'm doing a script or something like that is a lot more contained and it's a lot more about being very specific. And I'm not going to say PC, but it's less about having an agenda and less about convincing somebody to listen to your personal opinion and more to just listen to the story, period. Like an Artifact in my death of a game script, there's moments where I'm like, eh, this is a bit of my personal bias, but it's also like it gets to the point sometimes when you're telling a story, it's so obvious when you don't say what, what is happening, it's almost like you're complicit in it. And what I mean by that is like it's no secret at this point um, Richard Garfield, the guy who created Magic the Gathering, was behind Artifact. But Richard Garfield also was no longer involved after the game was launched, and not a lot of people know that. And so when I figured that out, I was like, man, this shit makes sense now, dude. I know exactly what kind of person and what kind of character you are. But it's like, I can't necessarily say that outright, right? Because that's me making a bit of a read my on my own. It's me using my personal bias. But through the course of the story, it started to unfold anyway. So I was like, well, who am I kidding? I'm just going to say how I feel because the story's right there, right? You know, it's right there in front of us. Yeah, I wouldn't say I enjoy getting choked more that you just get used to it <laughs> and you um, you become comfortable with it in the sense that instead of panicking immediately when you're getting choked, that's one of the worst things that you can do is panic. You actually have to relax and start fighting the hands for starters. That's like a big part about stopping somebody from choking you is just getting your hands to your face and protecting your face as if someone's grabbing me, I can, you know, use my hands and my inside protect my inside space around this area they call this the triangle in self-defense the the triangle right here and it's because if you get hit anywhere in this region you're in a lot of danger right but it's also because things like choking and you know you're vulnerable in this area right here so they always say um so you're either in or you're all the way out that's one thing um uh i'll i'll talk about a lot more some other time but it's a concept actually a lot of fighting in real life it's funny because uh i think largely and this is a bit of a soapbox so get ready um (laughs) i was just talking to my uh professor about this so in in portuguese um brazilians specifically refer to their teachers as professors um, so when I say professor, that's, that's why I'm saying it, uh, professor, you know, however you want to say it specifically. But, and so I was talking to him and, uh, I, I asked him, I was like, <clears throat> you know, I, I think I want to make video sometime. I, I want to make a jujitsu video. And he, and he looked at me and he was like, yeah, you should do it. And he said to me, or I said to him, I said, I'm just tired of nerds always telling me they can't do it because they're just not supposed to be able to do it. Like, it's like this weird perpetuated stereotype where, like, you're supposed to be a helpless nerd. You're really smart, but you're supposed to just be helpless. Like, you're not supposed to be able to defend yourself. You're not supposed to even know how to defend yourself. And it's just like it became this. It used to be a meme, I felt like, growing up but it's it's still perpetuated a lot in like today's culture like you see the the virgin chad memes all the time it's like you can be a virgin and still defend yourself you know what i mean like you can be a nerd and still know how to defend yourself they shouldn't be synonymous with each other being a nerd shouldn't mean being helpless or being like worthless or being like weak or you know what i mean like it it should like it, it should mean what it means which is like you you're really nerdy at something you like video games or whatever you're nerdy at and i think that um it's something that i i hope over time i can start to uh inspire people to understand and it's that like martial arts when you break it down to it it's for nerds i mean what other like sport or activity do you just practice like the same shit over and over again for a hypothetical situation that might never happen that is the definition of what a nerd is. <laughs> and that's exactly what people in in martial arts do. <laughs> that that is absolutely a nerd. Limposs, can you can you explain to me how all sports uh practice scenarios that they never actually take part in? What they they just do the sport, dude. You mean like watch sports and never actually do sports? I'm talking about doing it yourself. If you're doing a sport, you're doing the sport. You don't practice do the sport. Martial arts, you have to practice it. Because if you just fight somebody, it's not very fun. problem with martial arts and me is head injury potential. So most people who talk about head injury potential, uh, frankly speaking, you know, there's a lot worse things that are activities that people do that have way higher risks of getting brain trauma. For example, speaking of ball sports, football in America gives you way higher percentage chance to get a concussion than actually like legit getting into an actual fight would. And that just kind of tells you like The narrative is that because it's martial uh, art, then it's obviously more dangerous. But football is way more dangerous. Yeah, I think when it comes to getting a head injury in a, a martial arts situation, I've actually personally never gotten a head injury from martial arts. The only time I've ever gotten a head injury which did impact my martial arts was when I slip and fell on concrete. So like the hilarity of it all is like having sparred for a long time. I've never been concussed in martial arts. But I've been concussed in uh, slipping and falling on concrete. And getting hit in football. So I've been concussed more doing those things. Than actually getting punched in the face. Which I mean mind you I don't like getting punched in the face. So maybe that's part of why I didn't get punched in the face very often. Because I avoid getting punched in the face, but football equal egg ball. Yeah, I think I think it's egg ball. Problem is the armor. R- rugby's a lot less dangerous. Yeah, it is. Uh, the helmet was a big reason why I got my concussion when I was in football. Because I specifically <laughs> remember the helmet. My brother does BJJ and broke his foot for his wedding. So that's the thing. It's just like in a martial art, just like any any sport period, but also in a martial art, ego can be a big problem for some people. And I think that's why a uh, big reason why people never get into it in the first place. Because either they don't want to lose or they think they're kind of tougher than they actually are. Um, what I find interesting about nerds is that it's more of like a learned helplessness. Like you, you think you can't do anything because you're like smaller or whatever else. But like um, I'll show you guys this this uh, sometime in person when I vlog. But there is a particular um, jujitsu guy. Jujitsera, as they call it. And the dude is basically the definition of being like a little nerdy kid. So this guy right here, Mike Messi dude just looks like a little nerd. Like, like tell me he doesn't look like a little nerd. And if you hear his voice, he sounds like a nerd, too. Of course, they're not going to let you hear. But he sounds like this. Hey, I'm Mike Miesmessi. Great guy. Super nice guy. Amazing jujitsu jitsu practitioner. But sounds like the nerdiest guy you think you've ever seen. And then he's just like in here just strangling people. I, I've always found it really interesting to think of the culture that is surrounding um art but also martial arts. And how it's like, if anything, nerds have such a great advantage. Um, if they learned a martial art, they'd have such a great advantage because they got that nerd mentality, right? Of just practicing and practicing and practicing and like putting in crazy hours and practicing the same moves over and over again and the next thing you know you're just you're like Michael Musa Messi where you're just like submitting people and shit. You have said that you're Hispanic so do you know Spanish or or play soccer? Un poquito. But in terms of soccer uh, I don't play it at all. (laughs) I don't like ball sports. Um, And when I say I don't like them I mean I used to like them when I played them. So I liked basketball and I liked football growing up because I played them. As soon as I stopped playing them, like, as soon as I wasn't going to play them at the collegiate level, I just, like, lost, like, complete interest in them. I'm just one of those people where if I'm not doing something consistently, I lose interest in it. So that's why, like, I play a lot of games, I talk about a lot of games, and I play a lot of random MMOs, and I do a lot of martial arts. That's because those are my two favorite things to do. So... (laughs) But yeah, as you guys can see here, I mean... Moose Messi is pretty nerdy, man. Like, there might even be some better pictures. Check this out. Because there's, he has pictures of when he used to wear his glasses and stuff, too. And those are like the primo pictures. It's like the nerd origin story before he became Spider-Man. See? It's like Peter Parker before he became Spider-Man. Like he's not a big guy like you see him he's a he's a tiny guy but if this guy gets a hold of your ankle man, oh no that's what he, that's, that's what he's gonna do <laughs> if he gets a hold of your ankle, yeah, that's what he's gonna do <laughs> uh, that's funny. all right what, you guys have anything else for me? That's why I'm a huge fan of participating in Roman gladiatorial combat. Hey, if there was a market for that thing, you know it would exist. Who am I kidding? It probably does exist. Rugby gets back injuries. Yeah, that's that's a bad thing about uh, Jiu-Jitsu, Daedalus, is it can be a little bit pricey. What I will say is it kind of depends on where you go. And um, you might actually, in your neighborhood, you might have... A cheaper school you might actually have like a ymca kind of program some so i know you're old enough but there's people in chat who are young enough to go to college and maybe your college actually even has a jiu-jitsu school there or a judo school so sometimes you could even train for free i guess i won't get you into watching f1 i mean things like that i can admire and understand why people like watching them but since i'm never going to drive f1 yeah it It's a good chance I'll never be interested in it. (laughs) I don't know. I've just always been that way since I was a kid. Like, when I'm interested in something, I want to do it as well, you know? All right. I don't... I'm not going to stay here much longer. My nose is like... I don't know why my nose is so damn itchy today, okay? Makes it look like I'm doing cocaine over here. I'd look like... I'd be, I, well, first off, I'd be doing some horrible cocaine if I was actually doing cocaine right now because it's clearly not really working because I sound like I'm about to fall asleep. If you talk athletes though, F1 drivers are insane. Well, see, that's the thing about gamers is, uh, ga- gamers and nerds think just because they're a gamer and nerd and they're weak physically that they don't have a lot going for them. But I can tell you guys, and I'll show you soon enough when I record a lot more of my footage when I can actually get a camera. I've been talking about that. Um, when I can actually get a camera and start recording my footage, I'll show you that. For me personally, a large reason why I think I have an advantage over other people. Yeah, people are going to say I'm physically gifted. I am. I'm a larger person, right? I'm long, etc. I personally, though, would chalk it up to just, I think, a little bit quicker than People. You know what I'm saying? And what does that come from? That's your reflexes. How do you train reflexes? How would it even like a clinical doctor have you? Uh, what activity would they have you do to train your reflexes? Anybody have any idea? What thing that we do maybe a lot of sometimes? <laughs> maybe a couple of us are doing something right now in chat games, yeah, and that's the thing is just like being good at games and actually like training yourself to have good reactions in games is good in other things in life too. It is. It's good in other things. Like your ability to have fast reflexes can help you in making small, fast little decisions at work even, right? In the middle of a competition, right? What Whatever you're doing specifically, games can also help you. <laughs> you can tell your mom it wasn't a waste. Hey, I mean, I joke about it all the time, but... I somehow joked my way into having a semi-career at it. So like, I used to make fun of myself and be like, oh, well, I play the game way too much. I play the game way too much. And then after a while, I was like, wait a minute. People actually want to hear what I have to say? I thought I just wasted a 1,000 hours on this game for no reason. Or I thought whenever I sold my account in Swotor, that was the last I was ever going to talk about the game. You know? Seriously. Like, I I thought that. But um obviously life <laughs> life's a bit fun huh it's a bit interesting the time you enjoy is not the time you're wasting yeah and that that's that's the that's the correct thing to say but for the longest time it was hard for me not to see it as me just being a giant failure because for the longest time I skipped work I skipped school I was skipping anything I could skip just to play MMOs just to talk about MMOs just to just to play Halo you know like and I'm glad that, you know, there's a lot of forks on the road and, and shit, but I'm glad I ended up being where I'm at now, which is like, I haven't made it yet, but I have a chance to make my life in video games, you know, which is what I want. So speaking of which, I need to get back to writing that WoW review. <laughs> yeah, a uh, Alundris, it's like a legit thing. It's a... Uh, it's a it's a legit thing where it's like i don't think people actually understand that there's health benefits for playing video games. Uh, there's a book called super better. i recommend looking into it um if any of you have had any problems with uh, mental health like i have um super better is a concept that you can just you don't you don't have to like religiously read the book but you can just learn about the book and learn about the concept for such a thing. and essentially like the concept to break it down simply is that Gaming can be a vehicle for personal growth and development. It can. Maybe you just want to get to Diamond and League or Diamond and Dota or whatever the equivalent Diamond and Dota is. And so you have to, in order to do that, you can't get that overnight, right? You'd have to set a long-term goal. You'd have to have a plan. What characters are you going to play? What play styles are you going to do? How many games a day are you going to play? Like, You'd have to actually come up with like a full plan to do that And although you could argue after you get that diamond or high ranking, maybe in itself it didn't reward you the amount of money that the time you spent in it, right? But it taught you that you could do it. And then it gave you an idea. Maybe you could do that with something else, right? Maybe you could pick something else that actually makes you money and you know how it makes you money. And then you could focus on that as like a a way to um, put your time in, you know, so you don't feel guilty, if that makes sense. I think that's a big reason why now I like the idea of MMO reviews is if I want to dedicate a lot of time to playing an MMO, now I at least know that I have an option to make content out of it as well. So I don't just feel like I spent 500 hours playing WoW and there's nothing to speak for. And I'm not even done playing that game either. I still have some more to play. nevertheless responsibilities are first yeah they are and i think um i think to go back to what i was saying earlier guys about nerds being more capable than we realize it's just like that's what i feel like kind of my calling is is to let people know like it's not only is it cool to be a nerd but like nerds rule the world so like be a nerd but don't think that that means that you should just sit in your chair all day you can find a way to move around you know even as a nerd right Even as a fat nerd, you can find a way to move around. You can find a way to, I don't know, do a plank or some shit, right? Just moving around, period. You're not a helpless nerd. None of y'all are. I know none of you who are watching right now are helpless nerds. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here, right? Because I feel like you'd go find another content creator who just agrees with you all the time. Like, you came here in some way, shape, or form, maybe because you want to listen to me, but maybe because you also want to have actually like a conversation with a content creator not where it's just like oh hey you're really cool and then i'm just like thanks guys and then we just kumbaya together but we can actually like talk about why a certain system doesn't work or why it should work or how we can handle mmo development in the future or whatever right i hope the new spot's good it's much better man it's like the air the air in here is much better. Um I've been sleeping much better. I mean today I look tired as shit because I woke up at like six AM on accident. That's that's how well I've been sleeping, is I've been sleeping more. To where I'm waking up earlier on accident. <laughs> Wish my brain worked like that. I hit Diamond and Overwatch and was like, what if I hit Masters? Then I chase rank until I'm bored and quit the game. Well, see, I don't think that that's a foreign concept at all, because I used to be the exact way. What I call that is having a lot of energy, but just not knowing where to di- like, direct it. And it's kind of like, if you're that kind of person who every game you play becomes like a completionist type of deal, you probably have a lot of time <laughs> or a lot of spare energy. And you're just trying to figure out where to put that energy. And I was that way before, where every MMO I got into, I wanted to be like the first max level. And I realized after a while, is that really what I want? Or is that just what I feel like I want because of kind of expectations, the fear of missing out? And I realized I was kind of living my own MMO life, if you will, uh, if you will, sorry. And the perspective of other people's, right? They're just rushing through just to get the enjoyment of being first. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not, that's not even why I played these games in the first place. It's not even what I find most enjoyable in these games. So it's like... I almost learned from that, I think. What's up, uh, Howdonator? Guess I'm leaving then. Apparently a helpless nerd. Yeah, limpos. Sorry, dude. Helpless nerd. But I think that that's pretty typical, Alundris. Where you just want to keep pushing and pushing and you don't even necessarily know why and next thing you know you spend 8 hours on this game and you're like why am I playing this game for 8 hours because just because I'm a big nerd and I've also talked about playing games for like insane amounts of time oh what's up Chris Uh, playing games for insane amounts of time I don't think that you should do that unless you have an idea of like where you're going to go with it you know It's like it's never a good idea to do anything for a crazy amount of time if it's not going to push you any closer to like making a better life for yourself. Like, like, for example, if you really like to paint lighters, but painting lighters in no way, shape or form helps your life out. If you do it for like 15 hours a day or like 30 hours a week, it's probably going to have a detriment on your health, even if it's just like painting a lighter. Like it's not even that negative of a thing, but it's because it doesn't have that much benefit to you in other ways then it's not going to provide enough benefit for you to keep doing it, right? So maybe if you're playing a game and you're doing a game, I don't know, let's say you're playing Dota or Overwatch and you're playing that five hours a day, I would just ask yourself, like, why? Because if it's just to have fun, I think that five hours a day is more than having fun, right? That's more than just a hobby. That's starting to come into, like, serious, like, professional or content creator level uh, amount of time. So... I think um, that's something that I see a lot, especially in like younger people. Uh, they'll say like, oh, I want to be pro at this game. And I'm like, okay. How many hours do you play right now? Oh, I play like six hours or seven or eight hours. And I'm like, that's a lot of hours. And then I watch them play those six or eight hours. Or I, I ask them, okay, so when you played those six or eight hours, did you do any demo review? Did you do... Um, did you do any type of, like, competitions or tournaments? Um, have you been watching yourself play? And a lot of the time you'll get, like, well, no. And you're kind of like, wait a minute. So you want to be a professional. You, you want to even just be, like, amateur, like, local-level professional. And you haven't even, like, started, like, practicing? You haven't even started reviewing games? Like, can you imagine, like, trying to play basketball without having practiced, like, your free throws thousands of times it's like it doesn't happen like you don't just go onto the court and then just start throwing up three-pointers and just raining them down right nobody's doing that shit on like maybe you throw them up every now and then you get lucky but like if you're not practicing your three-pointer and you're not actually practicing shooting you can go up there and throw all kinds of nonsense up at the board it ain't gonna work that shit ain't gonna go in and if it does it's gonna go in like one out of 20 times so i think it's a it's an aspect of like having the expectation to do great is is a great expectation to have right to be successful but people just rush it so fast and i think i i had that mistake myself where because you're not successful enough faster because of you 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 started getting back into mmos that's awesome (laughs) uh what are you playing wow or something I remember logging into play and asked, why am I playing a game that stresses me out? So I uninstalled the lows outweighed the highs eventually. Yeah. And and that's like, you know, I've even had this conversation with my own cousin where I was just like, look, if you want to be a pro, just understand, like, you better love to play the game because you're going to be playing like ass loads of it, especially in current day 2019. In order to be competitive at an MMO these days, sorry, just a game period, you're playing at least eight, 10 hours a day at least right if you're talking about being top level competitive people don't really want that so it's like i think it's just being honest with what you actually want and expect and that's a hard thing for people because of the fear of missing out you know i always have wondered why people will complain about uh for example real estate and mmos and i've realized it's the same reason people will complain about it in real life it's that it's not fair Because these people work harder or have more money. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but that's because those things exist in a game for people like that who are willing to put in that time and investment. And the only reason why you really feel like that shouldn't be the case is kind of because of your fear of missing out. Like, you don't want to miss out on that experience. And so that's what drives a lot of your, like, uh, criticism. It's just people's, you know, they don't want to miss out, basically. Oh, nice! You've been playing Final Fantasy. I've tried uh, Neverwinter and Terra. Yeah, Final Fantasy seems like a game you'd like, because uh, I remember playing Final Fantasy with you way back when. I can't remember what, what's the what's the one that has uh, the card game in it. Is that the nine or six? I can't. It's one of those that has the card game in it. That's that's the oldest one I remember playing. To be fair, in real life, it's a bit more important to have real estate. Yeah, it's a lot more important a lot more important to have real estate in real life right but it's also pretty beneficial in a game anyway that's just my rant is just essentially like I think a big reason why we never get successes like human beings is especially us Americans we're told that you need to get it very fast so if you don't get it fast enough we just kind of quit and I can't tell you how many times guys I've not succeeded at things just simply because I stopped doing it like think about that I, I bet you everyone here has an example of that something that you used to do that you were good at but you just stopped doing it for whatever reason and because you don't do it anymore you're either not good at it or you avoid it because you don't want to remember that you were like good at that thing before like i bet you everyone here at least has something like that because i believe personally speaking that being a kid and getting good at something is the most important thing for your success and what i mean by that is that whatever you personally found enjoyable and spoke to you as a kid generally speaking and there's a lot of science to back this up too uh and developmental thinking um that backs up the idea that that's probably something that you're going to have an affinity to because you discovered it whenever you were younger right and um, when you were at a younger age and so uh, i think that uh whatever that thing is for you guys make sure that you're doing some part of that because like that little kid he's still inside of you he's not dead yet you know that's how I think about it, at least. Is like the inner kid is that kid who has that unbridled confidence, who's just absolutely sure that you know what you're gonna get, you know, you know what you're gonna do, you know what you're capable of. Uh, what do you think about Black Desert? I'd wish it just embraced what it actually is, which is a multiplayer online like RPG. I think if it tried less to be massive, I'd probably like. Excuse me, I'd like it more. I like Terra's combat more. I mean, maybe older Terra. I don't like the newer Terra combat as much. because I feel like it's easier these days, but Terra, whenever I beta tested the game, I felt like it was pretty difficult. That's you in competitive (laughs) competitive trash. I was like, what? (laughs) Competitive smash. Nine was better. I played chess for 9 years and then I quit. I spent countless hours competing in it. Sort of realized I wasn't going to be good enough to make a decent living out of it and got a job instead. Yeah, and and that's one of those careers honestly where I can totally understand your perspective because I mean it's been said already. I've tried to be a pro gamer before. Like people who've either followed me or know my story know that already, but like when when I did it before with Guild Wars 2, there was just next to no competitive scene there so it was like the money that i could make i realized when i was forecasting ahead even if we won the first arena net tournament was like i was going to be making basically minimum wage to be working 70 hours or whatever you know like 60 hour weeks or whatever it was whenever you have to practice for tournaments and it was like at that time because i was making money in construction and you know i had a life like at bills car you know girlfriend like i couldn't just take that you know really small paycheck and live off of that i couldn't do that and so uh it was after that that i kind of realized whatever i put myself next into it has to be something that i can make some sort of money out of because i'm not going to chase after something like being a pro in guild wars 2 and making like minimum wage like it's just to put that amount of time and effort into it and to have to actually be that good <laughs> when you're better off just going and working at I mean, shit, there's uh, there's fast food joints here that pay way more. Like, where I live in Austin, the minimum wage is better here, and there's fast food joints here that, that pay better than what I would have made doing esports, you know what I mean? And that's not to say that esports is bad, it's just you have to want it that bad. If you wanted enough... To get paid, you know, less than a fast food guy? For the promise that eventually you can make more? By all means, man. But good luck. (laughs) Good luck. I have been wondering if I can't get into MMOs any longer due to the market changes. I found my driving force to play those games is the journey to look cool. And now the journey for that is clicking the cash shop and in- inserting my credit card. Many years ago, I was still in the army and I went pro in crisis. Pretty content with where I'm at right now. Do real life stuff, put in an hour or two of gaming each day. And, and that's the thing is, is, I feel like if you're if you're okay with where you're at right now, like personally as a person, but also as a gamer, um, then it's just like there's, there should be no desire or push to do something different, you know? What I find interesting is the people who contact me every now and then, and they're like, hey, I didn't get the chance to experience these old games, so like, which ones would you recommend? I always find that to be a fun experience because, frankly speaking, when it comes to MMOs, you have to be a little bit open-minded. Wouldn't you guys agree? Because um, especially some of the older ones, like uh, Chris is in chat right now. We grew up playing um, Habbo Hotel and uh, Dark Eden, and those are games that I would argue still today, are quite innovative and they still match up pretty well compared to other games in the aspects that they specifically focus on but those games come from like the early 2000s you know what i mean and it's crazy to think that games from the early 2000s can still be so impactful like personally for me it's crazy to think that arpgs are big right now like they're actually big again like, ARPGs, thank you, Path of Exile. You put them on the map again. It's just crazy that nobody's tried to do an MMO with one of them, though. And Dark Eden tried that back in, like, 99, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I was about to start ranting about that. It is, it's is—it's market changes, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But ultimately, it's just uh, as things shift in the market... I think a big part of it is that um, we have so many fans who are willing to just hold on to what remained before. I can't help but feel like hilariously that might be a part of our problem here. And what I mean is, is like the fact that Classic WoW is still competitive in 2019. I mean, it's probably not a good thing, right? probably not a good thing that it's still competitive i think if we could have gone back 15 years we would have said oh no this wow wouldn't be able to compete with that wow that wow will have virtual reality movement or whatever we would have said it would have been better so like i think it's important to acknowledge that maybe things right now aren't the best in the market but that being said um i still see a lot of positive to come we're seeing by the week uh, new indie developers who are, you know, show offing or sh- sorry, showcasing their really interesting MMO projects like uh, Hordes.io. Um, we've talked about uh, they're naming themselves um, Titan Reach. Here we've talked about them before. We've talked about a number of these smaller companies who are basically showcasing that they have what it takes to go up against uh, the gameplay and some of these bigger budget titles. And if that's the case, guys, if they can compete gameplay wise, man, I feel like the, the sky is the limit because um, really when it comes to beating like a triple A game, I think largely it's if you can upset how the balance or polish feels like when Path of Exile was able to eclipse Diablo, it did it because it felt more polished, which is pretty damn hard to do. I think in this case, if we can have a gameplay experience that feels more polished than the current gameplay experiences, which in the world of MMOs isn't really that great in the first place, right? Like Elder Scrolls Online, not that great of a bar, right? But I feel like if there is a game that can beat that, it automatically gets more attention. And that's why games like Black Desert Online and and Terra and Vindict- uh, Vindictus, I think in games like that, get more, um, get more, what's the word? They get more coverage, Because they're unique combat system. Blade and Soul is another great example. They're unique combat systems and they're actually cool for MMOs. And so even though those games I have, you know, my opinions about those games, period. I think that that, the fact that those combat systems are still so competitive in 2019 just shows you like change is coming. We're going to have to definitely make some change. And I think a big part of that is like I always say, it's just about knowing what better to ask for. So if we know what better to ask for, like say, hey, this is coming in the future and ask for this, I think that'll give us a much better understanding of, um, you know, what the market is actually going to do, because the market ultimately, I know it sounds a bit like it sounds a little bit out there, but like the market ultimately does want to do what you want it to do, right? It's just that you have to convince enough people they want to do something or they want something. And that's why I say it all the time. I think the biggest difficulty in MMO development is simply just education. If you can educate enough video gamers that they want a game, for example, where they can create a unique avatar and customize it and actually maybe, for example, have a skill system that allows them to create their own particular kind of build, you have to be able to convince a player that they want things like that. And uh recency bias, I think, is another big part of it. If you're just looking at what currently is in the space and what's recently came out, not a whole lot of great examples. So recency bias is probably not gonna do you any favors. What does it say when Resident Evil 2 was also a contender for game of the year? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as much as I enjoy classic, it's still an eight-plus-year-old game that I've played already. Yeah, and I mean honestly at this point. I have a little bit more time and in, in classic wow because i'd like to get through the raids maybe do some more pvp but i'm kind of already seeing like the end for me here um i told you guys i wasn't going to be happy with blizzcon and them making a non-announcement that's exactly what they did i didn't like that they did exactly as i also expected which is rush the um bgs out before the honor patch to to, to coincide with the honor patch i should say and that's caused a lot of problems as well. So Classic WoW right now, oh, man. I uh, I think that it has served its purpose for me, largely. I had a lot of fun with it, and I think it taught us and is still teaching us something in the marketplace. That being said, uh, at this point, I'm just convinced we're not going to get a solution from a AAA developer. I think it's probably going to come from an indie developer And then, kind of like in the case of, wow, someone is going to take that idea and then streamline that. I kind of think that's going to happen. Time to start the MMO school. (laughs) It's funny you say that because um, I would love to do consulting like that in a more serious capacity. I think a big part of consult work is... um, Doing consulting with somebody is having a portfolio, but it's also people, let's just be honest, they're they're not necessarily of the opinion that they need somebody else's opinion a lot of the time. And I think that's the hard part about doing consulting work, but really when you think about it in the space of MMOs, there aren't that many people who are capable of giving you an idea of what the market wants, what it's been responding to. And what hasn't worked in the past? There's not a whole lot of people who can do that. Like the only couple of people who can do it, I feel like are the people who just throw themselves into every MMO. Right? They're constantly involved, constantly playing the new MMOs. I think you have to give Lazy Peon credit for that, for example. And then also, of course, you're talking about prior developers. But really, there's not a whole lot of people who are out there and are saying, um, "Oh, it goes like this." You know, MMOs work like this. Oh, you should build your game just like this with actual examples with actual like evidence to back up kind of things that they're saying there's not a whole lot of creators or content creators doing things like that that being said i still think that there's a lot to learn in the realm of consulting in video games just in general because at this point i'm convinced uh chris avalon doesn't just do game design he does consult work you know like when he gets involved in something He's also there because he's got a good mind, not just because he's a good writer. Does that make sense? Like when you're that good of a designer and you're involved in that many good projects, you're not just a good writer. You also, you have the mind for something. You can see patterns. You you can see something, right? And to me, that's like one of the ultimate goals is to get to the point to where a company will actually talk to me and want to hire me to give them advice on how to fix their problems, basically. Because that's my favorite thing to do is to fix problems, (laughs) especially big, giant problems uh, in the context of an MMO. I'm not even sure people who have thrown themselves at all MMOs, seeing as aspects don't always work together, nor easily replicated. No, uh, are you saying there's not a lot of people who've just kind of like went all in on them? I think you're probably right in that sense. I would argue that I was pretty much considered a permanent weirdo as a kid because I played MMOs. I mean, like, nobody was playing uh, MMOs where I was from. (laughs) Like, the only thing people were playing was, like, multiplayer games. Nobody was really playing MMOs. Like, we were playing browser games and shit, like RuneScape and stuff like that. But we weren't really playing, like, WoW or EverQuest or, like, these other sort of types of games where i game where i came from that was definitely like in the minority the indie will become the triple a developer uh, that's probably more realistic is indie developer launches an MMO does a good job and then eventually gets scaled up enough to be maybe double if not triple a developer and that's probably a lot more realistic than i think at this point a triple a company launching an mmo and having a smash success seems less and less likely um i know that amazon has the ip for lord of the rings and they're potentially going to be doing a well not potentially they are going to be doing a lord of the rings mmo they've shown to have a propensity to be open to other opinions and to have like uh content creators give their opinions so i'm hoping they'll do the same thing with lord of the rings because i love lord of the rings and i would Honestly, as fucked up as it sounds, I shouldn't admit this, but like I would help a Lord of the Rings game for free. Like I would. Just because Lord of the Rings to me is such a badass like world. Um, just the opportunity to work in that world to me, I would do it for free. That being said, I um I think when these big companies keep trying to go in blind and do these MMOs without actually having developers who have experience doing MMOs or really just know how the market works in that respect i think they're gonna make some big huge blunders still even in 2019 you'd think people would have learned by now but it's not really i don't know man i'm still seeing big companies make pretty big blunders and i can't help but feel like a big part of it is you know having just covered artifacts with valve for some of these big companies they just kind of think they're too big to fail honestly some of them just think hey we're just too big to fail If we do an MMO, it would work this time. But I mean, even Blizzard had trouble. Remember with Titan and all of that stuff? If that wasn't a lesson, which unfortunately is mostly behind closed doors, but if that wasn't the lesson for future developers, especially the big AAA developers, I don't know what to say, but it seems like um, AAA developers, instead of saying, hey, let's just put our flag down, put all your resources in and let's just make a kick-ass MMO. Pretty much none of them are having that approach, right? <laughs> like the only big AAA companies who are still making new MMOs are companies who've made MMOs already, right? Like Nexon and NCSoft and etc. So it seems like the only MMO companies are previous MMO companies. That's kind of why I think largely innovation and success is going to come from the indie market. Because that seems like where um, things are coming from at the moment. You know, even just like what we've covered before. Making games is hard, man. (laughs) That's the thing, too, is like, I think the Death of a Game series does a good job of explaining to people what a game goes through, right? Through its development cycle. But it doesn't always explain adequately what the developers had to go through when making that game and i think that's because you don't really know that unless they admit that and sometimes they don't sometimes you don't get the behind closed doors you know interview sometimes you just have to kind of guess and so that's another hard part about doing the series is um i don't even know if i'm getting the full story all the time so it's like if i'm having a problem with educating people and there's barely any information uh, available for me to educate people with like Population data isn't, you know, ever really explained. People don't tell you how the engines work necessarily. A lot of information in this space is kind of, it's it's locked. It's behind a locked door. And that's why I think it's been so appealing to see indie games start to take off and start to, with just single developers, for example, create more indicative gameplay experiences than I've seen in, you know, fully launched games. So. Yeah, I'll leave y'all with a little bit of positivity. I don't have much more to add. you guys have anything else you'd like to say? I could talk to Sir Action Slacks about Artifact. He's been promoting that game since its inception and really tried to champion it. More like indie developer has their game blow up than either get EA or Activision back. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, that's always going to be an option. Combination of thinking, copying trends, and throwing enough money at the problem will end in a good result. Just as watching sports doesn't necessarily make you a good coach. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, But I also think, Limposs, that I have enough arguments and willingness to argue with anybody. So if anyone wants to argue, if you think... Like, for example, if you think my arguments are poor and that I'm overestimating them just as a spectator, then you can prove them to be poor. That's kind of the thing that I always offer to people is, like, I give y'all, like backstage access to directly challenging me and my ideas so say for example if somebody thought that my advice in one of my death of a games was poor i would want them to tell me why it was poor right and like to actually like go into um whatever their particular criticism is like maybe they didn't like uh what's the most recent one On Lineage, the best criticism that I got on my Lineage video is I didn't highlight uh, enough of the black market. And that's a good point. I didn't. And it's something that I regretted and I did actually initially plan to do and then just ended up not doing. So sometimes when people actually hold you to the fire, it's good for you, right? Because it actually makes you learn things and uh, makes you... uh, Learn where you went wrong, because ultimately, if I'm trying to educate other people, it means I'm not always right, right? Because other people could say, hey, I didn't understand this. You didn't do a good job of explaining this. And that falls onto me. Um, A point that I like to make, though, a lot, and it's one that I stand by, like, religiously, is that I think that people oftentimes equate amount of time spent playing something or doing something to their ability to understand it. And um it's hard to ever have this conversation without coming across as arrogant, but I'll just leave it up to you guys in chat to make this assessment of yourselves. But have you ever like picked something up and realized that you had a knack for it, maybe faster than other people around you? I know not all of you are helpless nerds, like I said already, so I know a couple of you have picked something up and you are like, damn, I can get good at this quick, like maybe for whatever reason. I don't know whatever I- you could have a thousand reasons but maybe you've had a particular reason. I think although it's important to realize by just watching something, you don't actually understand it like on a visceral level, right? It's like, it's a difference between watching like some fights on the street and then actually getting into a fight because you can't, for example, take into consideration your emotions. That's something you would only feel if you were actually in a fight. That being said, if somebody were to watch that fight And then give advice based on what the actual fighters were doing, and then give that same advice to like maybe a professional fighter. It's not that just because that person um, is not giving advice to like a non-professional fighter that they they're not still giving good advice, and vice versa. Like maybe the professional fighter, even though it sounds like stupid, like the person just says grab his leg, but maybe it actually works. The point being is that it's never as simple as just like somebody spent a lot of time in something, so they're just really good at it. Because I, I find very oftentimes, and I've mentioned this in my um Death of a Game series, like I've looked and talked to people who've spent thousands of hours in games and it's it's ironic because a lot of the time I don't take their opinions very seriously. And I think it's because they're so willing to look past the flaws in order to see whatever it is they see specifically. So this was all to kind of go back to what Limbaugh was saying that I think ultimately, I wasn't saying you said my arguments are poor. My argument to you is don't dismiss somebody's argument because they haven't put in a lot of time to actually do the activity. If you're not willing to first at least hear what their argument is, you see what I'm saying? So like if somebody made an argument to me and their argument was, well, I just know like when you're in there, bro, it's just feelings are running high. And I was like, wait a minute, you've never actually been in there. So what do you mean if you were in there, right? If I said that to somebody, then they'd actually have to provide evidence of having done the activity because they're making an assessment based off of how it would actually feel or or react, right? But if they just said, well, it seems like it's easier because of this, that, and this, they might be wrong, but they could actually be right as well. And so I think um, it's just one of those things where it's very appealing to always see it from the perspective of like, only experts should offer criticism. But you guys are going to laugh, but sometimes when I've gotten criticism, it's from people who aren't experts that actually make me think the most because they ask the simplest of the questions. Sometimes that just cuts through all the bullshit. Like, I've gotten, like, messages from people sometimes where it's just like, why did this game do it like this? And I'll, I'll, like, read it, and I'm like, it's such a simple question. I'm like, I don't know why. It's a good question. So it's like, even though it was simple... It was a good question you know they made you think and maybe that person didn't know what they were talking about even but they could still make you think and i think that's a bit interesting right about observations there are some things that are easier to see as an outsider compared to the mr hundred hours spent and that's kind of what i've been noticing is is i watch and read a lot of steam reviews and so i get to read how many hours they put in you know what type of reviews they give and an interesting observation I've made before, and I've talked to Limboss and Card about this before, is that past like about four to three hundred hours, excuse me, most reviews at that point are no longer useful, and you're, you're thinking how, well how could that be? What about the guy who put a thousand hours in or three thousand hours in? like how come you don't want to listen to that guy's perspective because most of the time it's completely not relatable because if that guy already put three thousand hours in. If I'm not willing to put in that amount of hours, what do we really have in common exactly? You know, like, what if we're not having the same kind of player, for example? Just because he put in a lot of hours doesn't mean I just take his opinion, right? Um, I'll look at his opinion, but what I've found in my own observational, you know, uh, uh, research, whenever I'm trying to do researches, or sorry, research work on, like, Artifact, for example, is that a lot of the people who put in more hours, they give you worse reviews. And it's just funny to think about. I'm not trying to say that that means anything in of itself. It's not enough to go off to say that, oh, this means this now. Correlation doesn't equal causation. But it's just, it was an interesting observation for me to kind of make that realization, which was the opposite of how I thought it when I was younger, frankly speaking. I used to think if you had a thousand hours in something, I always listened to you. But then I would hear things. And and I noticed this with classic wow. People would tell me, oh, this isn't viable. This isn't viable. Don't play this. This class is broken. And I'm like, so is it actually broken or is this just like a thing people are saying because it kind of was this way or is this just something some people are just making up? period and I've found for example like when people said oh don't play Hunter it's not it's not balanced it's not balanced they were wrong really wrong like extremely wrong and so I'm glad I didn't listen to some of that. Can you stop? Hey, Josie, stop. My dog, um, my uh, girlfriend's dog, I should say, uh, we adopted her, but she's an older girl, but she'll just like scratch the shit out of her ears. When it, like even if her ears are hurting, she'll just like scratch her ears. And I have to like ask her, like, why are you scratching your ears? And then she'll just look at me and be like, yeah, I guess I should stop scratching my ears. And that's usually what we end up doing. That's how we talk to each other. In regards to getting more of an inside scoop on game development, it'd be nice to get more post-mortems from game developers, and not just from designers, and not just from the designers, but coders, artists, etc. Recently just discovered your channel via the Revan Decoded video. Awesome, man. Welcome. You don't really know how good you are at something until you've done it a hundred times. Yeah, at least, right? i can call things often really quickly it's what pisses people off at work because i'm not trying to take the time properly to see what's going on and how it works and i am uh and i like listen what and i am like listen oh i i seen for two weeks and it is shit <laughs> At 1k hours they're sunken only way to make a bad review is if they change one thing about the core they liked basically it's funny you say that because that's exactly what i've personally observed is whenever it becomes a bad review it's just like you piss them off in like one specific way that like was enough to piss them off right and then it just the whole review becomes negative negative. and people will even joke about it they'll say wait bro you played 3k hours was the new player experience really that, really that bad and i've rarely seen the guy actually respond but i've seen one time the guy responded and he was like well you know it was shit up until i played it basically which is not very helpful in a review right when you're like, oh, I put 3,000 hours into the game. The game sucks at 3,000 hours. It's like, but most people aren't going to play 3,000 hours. So, is it really that helpful to get 3,000 hour review from a guy? Not really, unless he's like testing things like mathematics in the game. Like, how long it takes to get X level... To grind Y thing. Those guys are really useful. Like the super tryhard completionists. You want them to figure out how much RNG is in your game, for example. How much microtransactions are in your game. <laughs> it, it's possible to optimize the fun out of a game because you stop enjoying that part anyway. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. This was actually the issue I had with Classic WoW. I made a comment on the, Redi- uh, the Revan video pretty much around 14 minutes into the video. I paused and had to respond. Are you going to say what you uh, are going to say? Because uh, I get thousands of comments, dude, so I'm not going to go pick through it. <laughs> the game sucks at 3K hours. Yeah, no, exactly, Limposs. And that's the thing. is, it's like, um, I talk about it all the time, man. But it's because I'm going to do something about it. Trust me. I don't just complain about shit that I'm not going to do anything about it. I complain about acronyms and terminology. We're making a series about it. I complain about concepts in video games. I'm going to make a series about it eventually. I complain about reviews not mattering because of essentially you don't really know. Okay. Apparently I just opened up Final Fantasy XII on accident. I always open up Final Fantasy XII on accident. Zodiac Age. (laughs) <laughs> they didn't even get the outfit correct twice and tour, not to mention how completely they screwed up the first one. Oh, I see what you're talking about it's funny you mentioned the bug costume because that was also in KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2 you guys remember if you've ever played KOTOR 1 or KOTOR 2 to a great length like I have and you modded the game if you modded the Revan cloak they didn't have physics on the cloak <laughs> so the cloak would just like your feet would run through the cloak all the time. You say you will do a lot of things. As a man scorned with distrust from all these promises, I'm willing to trust. So, what 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 have I said that I haven't done so far? Because if anything, everything I said is going to happen. It's just a matter of when, right? I mean, shit, the only thing that I... I can't even think of anything else. What have I said that I haven't done so far? Yeah, the thing about Mafia streams, though, is that you have to think about the amount of time like I spend doing something versus like how much how much uh, um, enjoyment and benefit am I getting out of it. I personally could just play mafia. I just find that fun. But considering I want to actually make content based around that, for me it made more sense to just wait until I can come back to that whenever I can do it in a more serious capacity versus just doing kind of like simplistic mafia. Like I guess in a in a way mafia through internet version like town of salem is just not interesting enough for me to want to keep streaming it but if i had people here in a studio where i could play like weekly live games i think that's what i'm far more interested in because i think it's more difficult to play but i also think it's more interesting to play so if you invest more money in patreon you play more (laughs) I mean, I guess technically uh, you can make that argument. If you guys invested more into Patreon, then it's more likely eventually that I would. Yeah, that's true. In a tier three sub, yeah, exactly. I don't even think anybody has a tier three sub, except me, which is just like comes with the channel. I think the only game I would dismiss for people under 3k hours in Dota is you become not a noob after. So there are some examples like that. And I think dick measuring when it comes to time spent does matter depending on the game. But like in the case of Dota, if somebody spent under a thousand hours, it's very, very unlikely they're going to be that good. Mm -hmm. Very unlikely. In the same way that if somebody hasn't put at least a couple of hundred hours into CSGO, They're probably not going to be that good. There's exceptions, but exceptions don't prove rules, right? They're just exceptions. They're outliers. That's why I hope Revan gets some just dessert with the movies. I hope they'll give him a, a movie or something like that. It's a chance to right some of the wrongs, I think, and to do his character in a fun way. And I do think he's a sexy character for expanded universe and for casual fans. I mean, he's one of the most popular characters in star Wars and he's an expanded universe character. So that says enough right there. I think, I don't think he's as popular as Thrawn. Maybe. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't think he's as popular as Thrawn, but maybe. All right though. I'm going to head out, though, guys, because uh, I think it's time for me to um, figure out what criteria I'm going to use going forward with this WoW review. Um, and speaking of which, if I'm going to finish that review, I still need to do my anyxia on Wednesday. I believe Anyxia is Wednesday and uh, Sunday is Moulten Core. And I'm almost attuned for Anixia. I think I have to kill one more boss and then I'm attuned yeah two more dragons and then i have to go kill a boss and then i'm done and then after that uh i'm already attuned for molten core so then after that yep trying to push that one out this month that's for sure yeah see you on the flip side do the dragon yeah i gotta kill the dragon later everybody see you guys later sorry about the lighting again Lights are broken. I'm ordering some new lights because I'm trying to fix the situation. Trust me, I know it's pain in the ass. I'll give y'all one last tip, though.